about like i don't know we could be talking about beans charles do you like beans what kind of no, beans do you like i don't like beans you, you don't, don't like, like frijoles oh, no weird. black beans what? anyway that's another story <laughs> that's another story <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do you like beans frijoles <laughs> I like okay, so I like uh be I like beans on my burrito. Uh I like uh let's see what else, what else? I mean I that's basically the type of beans I do like. I like lima beans, I guess. But I guess it has to be seasoned correctly. Otherwise, if it's just like plain lima beans, then it's not gonna go. Do peas count as beans? I th- is a pea a bean? I, I think so. I think if peas is. count as beans, then I would say that peas are great. You know what else is great? Soybeans? Soybeans are good. Um, soy milk. I do not drink cow's milk, um, if at all anymore. If I if I can help it, I drink soy milk. But I was gonna say that <laughs> you know what else is good besides dim beans? Oat milk. <laughs> this is definitely, yeah, it made a turn quick. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Beans and Milk Podcast, everybody. Where we talk about beans and milk. <laughs> I feel like beans and milk is a really nasty combination. Yeah, I was going to say, can you yeah, eat beans and milk? This is a dirty and R-rated <laughs> podcast. Wait, dirty and R-rated? Where are you going? I don't know. We don't I'm, know I'm what you're doing with beans and milk, man. <laughs> I'm yes ending everything you're do- saying, Brie, all right? <laughs> Hey, there was a very cool, deep voice besides mine and Wayman's on here. Whose voice was that? Uh oh. (laughs) Who is that? Oh my God. Please, no, don't worry. You're not in trouble. Please introduce yourself to our audience. All right, everybody. My name is Charles Jones. So uh, I'm I'm an editor. Most of the time, people would say they're a TV editor, but uh, I've kind of done more than that, so I just want to, I don't want to limit myself. I don't want to sound Ooh. egotistical, but I'd say I'm an editor. Yeah, don't put a, don't put uh, constraints on yourself, man. You're an editor. Don't put yeah. editors in boxes, guys. I'll fight you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, we'll fight anyone. We, we will fight you. In a box. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, a, you're a fan of boxes and... You're a fan of beans, Wayman. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's this right. might as well be called the uh, the black and the the box and bean podcast. Oh, <laughs> that, that rolls right off the tongue. I tell you, <laughs> were you about to say the black and beans podcast? <laughs> the black and beans. Now this is just making me hungry. Hungry. <laughs> I love this. This is the best opening. Why did I say hungry? Oops. Oh I've been hungry for like uh pinto beans and pork pork beans. Anyway, we're not gonna talk about beans anymore. We're here talking about <laughs> Wow, we are happy to have you on the pod, Charles. I'm so happy to learn so much about you guys already. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, you are gonna log into work and it's just gonna be like, hey guys, <laughs> did you hear that Brie likes beans? <laughs> Yeah, she's got this thing about beans and milk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my favorite cereal. Beans and milk. So gross. I'm going to change the subject. So, Charles, an editor, TV editor, I know you talked about, like, uh, you you said that you, like, you've done a little bit of everything. So, like, why don't you take us back 
Back to the Past, like All Samurai right. Jack. And <laughs> tell us a little bit about like Charles Jones and why is he an editor? All right. Yeah, I think I can do that. Um, I'll join the Marines and um Oh snap. I'll just start with that because this is how I got into I'm a little country boy from Jacksonville, Florida. So I didn't really I didn't really know much about, you know, the industry or TV or film. I just know I like like to watch it. I don't know if you guys had that same experience where it's like you can you can actually go to school for this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I when you get out of the Marine Corps, they give you this training to let you so you can kind of acclimate to the world. And um, maybe I should go a little further back to tell you the, the silly part. When I was in the military, <laughs> we I didn't have a lot of money. So the mm-hmm. only movie my roommate and I had was the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes. And so you already know already <laughs> that this movie, that's not the greatest movie, you know? So, <laughs> I was like, that's a great movie. That? Oh my God. I just, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your story. Yeah. Just watched that movie last week. And oh, that's like, crazy. It took me on a ride. I was crying. I was laughing. <laughs> I love that movie. Well, well I want to retract strong. that statement that it was whole, that it wasn't <laughs> Speed good, 2 man. is real bad. It's the boat one, right? Where it's mm-hmm. the boat <laughs> but looking at that movie every single day guys i was like yeah, i can that do might that be too much. i can oh, do yeah. that so uh you know i learned that they, you can go to school so i went to art center college of design well first i went to orange coast college to you know get my credits up you know and then i went to art center college down in pasadena mm-hmm. and uh when you go i keep backtracking to give you like a little bit more history but i thought i was going to be a visual effects artist so I emailed them and, you know, I even let them know, hey, I'm a black guy. I want to know how this is, how this world is. And it was like, oh, well, it's going to be very oh, no. difficult. And one is going to be difficult because it's not a lot of you. They were honest. Oh, no. And they were like, uh, but Dang. you get to travel. You don't get a lot of life. You know, a lot of people, there's a high divorce rate. And I was like, oh, forget that. I don't want to do So, I mean, I wasn't married or anything, but it's like, well, geez, if I'm not going to have a life, forget it. So I mean, I went to art center and I, I still took 3D classes and I took like, you know, you know, DP classes, but I was, edit- no one wanted to be an editor. So I was editing everybody's project, even the classwork. I was standing outside the door, turning in their stuff, you know? So I left with a good reel as you can, you know, if I'm doing everybody's work, cause art center, mm-hmm. you leave with pretty high caliber of directors out of that school. Mm-hmm. So, um, got a job right out of art center, um, working at a, I was working at Mattel while I was in Art Center, actually, and they do like little Barbie commercials and stuff. And uh, but it's funny, they do these commercials and they put these kids in these rooms and they kind of it's called uh, market research, I think. And these mm-hmm. kids, they, they see if they actually like it. Then they go and reshoot it again. <laughs> so what? it's like, we were the Why? lower tier team. And then they have the company that really will make the, mo- the commercial do it. So anyway, uh, so I, I graduated from Art Center and then I got a job at a place called um, uh, HBO show called Life and Times of Tim. I think it only lasted like one season or something. It was terrible animation, but uh, <laughs> but it was still, it was adult. You know, I wasn't used to that. I, I guess I want to retract that it was terrible, but it wasn't, you know, they have the uh, very limited animation where the mouth is just moving. Yeah, right. that sounds very familiar, actually. Yeah, but it was like about. adult, adult. Like he's yeah. in an apartment, and there's a neighborhood prostitute, and he's friends with her. It's oh, mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, but um, I left that and then moved to a place called Duck Soup Studios, which is like really old. Like oh, they were yeah, literally he's doing shoot down shoot still, and right drawing on cells. I've I've learned you know some of that stuff, so that was kind of great. 
all the old school stuff, you know, working with like uh, Eric Goldberg and um, um, Tony Bancroft. And he was like my neighbor at the time. And I didn't even know it till he started working on a project with me. Oh, that's cool. And so some of the old, you know, the, you know, Mike Sedinos and all these guys that, you know, Skip Jones and all these people that did a lot of great things. Like if you ever seen the game Dragon's Lair, you know, mm-hmm, Skip yeah. Jones off, uh, I think it was Blum, not, uh, I can't, I can't Don think Luth. of the name. Don yeah, Bluth. John Bluth. Yeah, he left Disney and that, that whole crew went to Bluth Studios and did the game and a couple other things. But anyway, so, you know, working at a small studio like that, you learn a lot of things. And then I uh, I moved over to live action and I did the fifth season of Falling Skies. It was a Spielberg's TV show. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, a lot. That was like critically acclaimed wasn't it like a lot of people liked that one yeah they did and you know for a tv show we had like over you know five thousand visual effects you know like in one episode sometimes so that's kind of crazy when a feature would have like maybe 17 to 2000 you know so that's i guess that is pretty a a big deal and that was the visual effects editor so that kind of tied in with animation because at duck soup we did commercials and we were doing shorts and it was live action and animation so that's where the me doing live action and me doing animation kind of fell into play. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but the turning point was they were like, um, I was going to leave Falling Skies because that was the last season. And I was either going to do a TV show called Minority Report, but it only lasted a season, or Disney. And so I took Disney and my family's like, you better take this. It's more longevity. And they were right because I wanted to stay in live action. And they're like, um, Disney's going to last a lot longer, and here we are. I'm still here. So that's my story of how I became an editor, I guess. <laughs> wow. That is a really amazing journey. Uh, I kind of want to go back a little bit to... Yeah, I did give you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot is good. Like, Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, that you were a visual effects editor. So like, how does that differ from the editing that you had to do while you were in commercial oh okay yeah uh visual effects editors kind of kind of cool because one you get paid just like an editor so that right there is the best part but you know it's kind of like animation you know you you know you do your animatic you send it off to get animated i'm just giving you really like the really skinny of it and it mm-hmm. comes back in color and you have to cut it in and whatever and babysit it. So the editor, the real, the live action editor will edit his, he has seven days to do his cut and, you know, I'll give, you know, forget all the rules and all that stuff, but they get their cut and then the producer's cut, blah, blah, blah. Then they send it over. They turn it over to the visual effects editor, kind of track the shots, meaning we keep track of all the visual effects and the vendors and um, whatever changes that the editor makes, we got to make sure we, and we even mock it up. We have to make every track, every change, but then we also mock up uh, the visual effects. And when I got in, I was real lucky because not a lot of the visual effects editors, they were doing like full on 3d. Cause again, I took those classes, you know, you hear your mom in the back of your head, you're going to have to work twice as hard because of your skin color, which mm-hmm. I probably should have said that, but I was told that when I was a kid. So, but, so that was my motto when I was going to school. But like I said, I was taking three classes and directing classes and editing classes. So, um, luckily I knew 3d. So I was already like, Oh man, this cat is, you know, making some of the visual effects that are making it in the show, you know? So that was kind of cool, but that's, that's pretty much it for a visual effects editor. You pretty much are, you know, tracking the shots, you know, getting sending counts, you know, reports, just like what um, a coordinator would do now for animation. 
but you're the mm-hmm. kind of you're kind of the coordinator because you're you know keeping track of the shots, sending out reports, and yeah. also mocking up the the temps so the you know so that the producers can approve the show, the episode. Whoa, so much biz talk. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I mean, no, this is important though because like a lot of people don't know what. Uh, goes into yeah yeah, nobody a lot of people don't know what goes into the process at all like and and that's the thing about this podcast like you know our our goal is to highlight black people that are doing these roles and not just the like the standard ones that you see where it's like a board artist like they're like a million black people that want to be board artists or like they want to be a character designer everybody wants to be either a character designer or storyboard artist it's always one of the two and you don't know that there are like branches of those things that you can do and even more so like like editors like um we we had recently interviewed someone the other day and uh she was telling us about how like uh you, you know there's just not a lot of like like you said charles there's not there's just not a lot of like known black editors in animation and i told her um about how like you know when i started on proud and like i worked working with you and like calvin and, and iron it was like crazy because i was like i've never seen (laughs) this many black editors or any black editors period and i know that i've only been in this industry for like like what two years now (laughs) no Mm. three 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 and a half years it still boggles my mind and it's almost like and it's a bummer like you said that you know your your mom in the back of your head is telling you you know you got to work three two times as hard and like that's something that i think that you know that i felt coming in and like mm-hmm. way like mm-hmm. you the like you too right yeah it's exactly it's, it's definitely something that it, i i feel like within uh black culture as a whole like it's something that we're told as kids like you're gonna have to really work at this and even when you're not told you kind of realize that you do have to um because you start to notice uh how how many opportunities at least like in the past like how many opportunities are just like completely go by you because they they find one thing that's wrong and um and you can't help but think like oh is it because i'm black like is that why this happened uh so you have to really show like no i i am uh i i am an asset and i'm gonna make whatever project or service that you have awesome yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. And silence touched over the room. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Needle job. I took a sip of uh, tea. <laughs> I was finished with that, so uh, I was drinking I think water. You, I think what you said was a good closer, so it was appropriate for everyone to be like, <laughs> just yeah just like uh to take that in everybody <laughs> you better listen to it <laughs> you know i got i got lucky though when you say you know i've heard a lot of um people always talk about getting passed over and this might be something we should probably cut out if you want but i never really i never i stumble on that because i feel like personally I'm probably a weak-minded person. So I never want to kind of put that in my head. Oh, I got passed up because of this or how I appear or how mm. I speak. Not saying that that is not the case. I'm sure 
I'm sure it has been the case, but mm. I don't want to walk around like the mad rapper, you know, like, oh, you they dissed me, you know what I mean? No. No, yeah. It's uh, definitely like a mental game that you yeah, kind of have to yeah. learn to play too. It's just like you can't constantly, you know, uh be thinking that way because then it's just uh then slowly you start to put yourself in uh, a box where you you're you're not doing something because you automatically think oh well because i'm already seen like this i can't do this and it's just like no that's not the case not the case um, it, even if it is the case like you you don't know for sure and uh you it's better to to show up and do the thing that you you you're trying to do do the thing that you're dreaming about doing or do the thing that you're hoping to do and and fail and then get up and keep trying and then hopefully get it rather than just not do it and just regret not pursuing it so man i wish i'd have said it that way that was so eloquent (laughs) i I sounded i sounded so uneducated and you just put like love all over that made it sound fantastic you said it how it works for you charles (laughs) you said how it works for you but it is like those mental the mental gymnastics that like we as black people have to face and like I think that like, you know, you saying like about like having a weak mind and whatnot like that, that's you like protecting yourself and protecting yourself from um, those like heavy microaggressions as best as you can. Um, And some people end up do buckling under underneath it and like, you know. It, it sucks because we don't get the opportunity to like, you know, get in the room and that discouragement can just make somebody give up altogether. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Someone said something to me the other day, and I don't know if, I don't know if this is going to even make sense because it took me a couple of days to think of it, but they're like, your self-worth is your most valuable currency. And I was like, Oh my God, it, it messed me up at first, but it's like, if you let these failures or someone else's, the failure that they put upon you, because let's say you could be like, you could be the black Eric Goldberg and then you don't, but you can't get a job. That's going to like what you guys just said, basically I'm reiterating it. Mm-hmm. You can start to believe that you you're, you're nothing because of the lack of acceptance. But I guess that self that self-wealth, that self-worth is that currency that when they said that's your best currency. So if I believe I'm the greatest, but then I guess I am the greatest. You know? Thank you, Charles. Go, go. <laughs> Let them know in the back. That's you right. Reiterate, reiterate it. So just in case they missed it, you don't have to rewind. Well, that's awesome. You guys are awesome. I want to say that I think you guys are doing something really amazing too, because it's not a lot of not a lot of podcasts like like this. So I think I think you're doing something amazing. Well, thank you. Oh, thanks, Charles. Like, yeah, like that, that. That's why we made it. Because like, uh, it's it's a story that like we reiterate a lot to people, like why we made the podcast and how just like we when we were in college respectively, like I didn't. Like we both couldn't really think about any black people that were doing jobs in the industry. Like besides Floyd Norman, I was like, Floyd, Floyd Norman and Bruce Smith. Who else is out mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, right. he, yeah I, like there, there's so few people that are uh, so few black people that are highlighted in this field. Uh, like if you're looking at DVD extras and say, yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're barely seeing us in DVD extras or whatever, like back in the day. So it's like, all right, you only, you can only have a handful that you really have heard of. 
Um, so yeah, that's definitely like one of the big reasons why we have this podcast is because we we want to say, hey, there are so many of us out here doing the thing, and you can do it too, because doing animation is the thing to do. Uh, <laughs> Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> And so you know, I, another great thing about you guys started to cut you off, Bree, but no, you guys have been doing this what, for like three seasons now. So that's great. A lot of people kind of buckle and give up after a long period of time. Is that correct? Three seasons? Yeah. Ooh, this yeah. Is, uh, we're in season four right now. This is oh, season, season four season that four. this is going to be. Yep. So I guess I'm, I don't want to Mr. Roger you guys and start turning my inter- your interview into my interview where I'm questioning you. So <laughs> proceed, proceed, as you were. Back to your podcast. I was going to say, um, for, for our viewers, so like, just so people can know more about like your, like, about like, you know, being an editor and whatnot, and just sort of, could you speak to the process of like, you know, you're currently one of the animatic editors on proud family ladder and prouder and just kind of like and previously you were on big girl six and what is like the day what is the day-to-day like for uh an editor in animation Ooh, okay that's let's see well first you deal with a lot of emo- emotional people so they come into your room and sit down <laughs> and complain about everybody so you're 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 a shrink to start because you you know someone sits on the couch and starts complaining about their day before you get into it but seriously okay um in animatic editor i mean it's weird they got two things they, they call you a color editor and an animatic editor and oh interesting the, the odd thing about that is i my opinion uh, first, the union doesn't really know exactly what exactly we do, you know, like because they're so because they're live action, you know, the union. Um, Is this the editor's guild or tag? yeah, the editor's guild? Editor's they, guild. They, they really we're kind of like the redhead stepchilds. I don't know if that's inappropriate to say, but uh, oof, uh, they we they don't really know what we do. So and that's the same with the visual effects editor. It's such a new new uh, position. Mm. that they didn't you know they they don't really have a category for it but you know i think the union's learning but anyway back to what we do like an animatic editor i would say is the more creative one because he's like the next writer you know he's he gets his panels everything's already written and they record the the dialogue they have to cut that in put it all in they add the breaks the emotional gaps between the dialogue and space things out put the panels in to make it kind of you know, like if someone's walking down a hall and, you know, maybe if Oscar's walking down the hall and he trips on the floor, you kind of got to time that out. Because if you trip, gravity's going to take over. You can't trip and then sit there for like three seconds as you're slowly right. falling. You know, you got to, you know, that fall has to have some gravity to it. So responsibility of the editor is to kind of time things out to make things read. And then you have your sound effects that you'd add, just like if you were a live action editor, you know, your assistant editor would do that, though. But um and then everything, you know, basically after that, it's like you're changing whatever revisions or whatever notes you get from your director or your showrunner. So it's a lot of back and forth, but it's the same thing with live action. And we can go into that if you guys like, because live action is a lot more different than animation. And, you know, we talked about like, you know, sometimes not being accepted as black or whatever or white or whatever. But in animation, it's a little different too, where the editor is like, he's a silent hero because nobody really a lot of us would think you're a button pusher and that's probably not good to say, but you know, 
you don't really have as much creative control as you would in a, in, you know, in a live action environment. Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of drawn for you. So you can't be like, you know what? I really wish that you could just draw and have Oscar spin and do a Michael Jackson moonwalk or something. It's like, nah, bro, <laughs> nah, bro stay in your lane. You're the direct, you're the editor. Just move a couple pictures around. You know what I mean? So, oh, but in live action, it's a lot different. You got a lot of say, you know, your cut is your cut for mm. a certain amount of days, you know? So, I mean, that's a union backing you up because they understand, but there's no, there's no rules set in the timing of an editor's cut in animation. Right. Uh, not, definitely not TV, probably because you don't have time, but mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I've kind of detoured away from your questions. No, no you no, haven't. This, no, this, this is, is all good information. Gravy. Like, You're just pouring gravy. Like, <laughs> like, like I, because like I kind of... So like, cause it's the process that you're describing is a process that I'm like, you know, very familiar with because like, you know, right. I work be as the product, as a production yeah. coordinator, like I work very closely with my editor. So like, I know what Calvin is doing and like all the stuff that you're describing, but like way, like, you know, you being a storyboard artist, I imagine that like, you might not have, you might not know like that part of the pipeline. And that's like, like something that's like interesting to you or like anybody that's listening that wants to be an editor that Mm -hmm. doesn't quite know exactly what what yeah like what 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 it entails and you know it's a funny thing sometimes you can have a board artist later because you know the board artist drew it and sometimes they have an idea how it's going to play out and they'll send you music sometimes and say i like this but sometimes that music or those ideas don't really land so when they see it it's like well it's a different take than what i expected because you know an editor would sometimes do split screens to make things work or move the eyes around to time the blink for that comedic that comedic punch you know um but we can get into that that's a probably not what you're asking me no yeah i mean i i feel like that is totally it's so interesting to hear because yeah like brie was saying like i don't really get to have any of that uh interaction (laughs) with uh editors as a storyboard artist so i'm just like well my drawings are just going off (laughs) (laughs) into the wide wild yonder and i'll I'll probably see them again later on in a few weeks and they're just magically gonna be moving (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yeah so i don't really get to to get that interaction i mean a little bit as like a revisionist only a little bit but like not at all as a storyboard artist and um yeah it's like it's definitely very interesting to see the the difference between how i'm thinking it's gonna play out as i'm drawing it to how it actually plays out and it's just like oh that is uh not how i thought that would look i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) i have to touch on that because sometimes it's not always the editor's fault because again that direct the director's in there too and some and i've noticed you know you get the boards and obviously you guys give the board to the director to kind of go over and make sure everything because they give you keys you know and Mm -hmm. you guys fill in you know, the, well, the board artist fills in whatever from addressing their notes, but you guys give it back to the director and they make changes on top of that. And right. the editor gets the brunt of that, man, you change it. I'm like, no, nah, man, this is exactly how I got it. From <laughs> and the, the showrunner might jump in and, yeah, exactly. and stuff too, if they're that mm-hmm. kind of showrunner that's in the weeds with the drawing. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, it's, it's a, a crazy moving train that just runs you right over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, and I think it's so, um, it's interesting to hear the differences between 
live action editing and then just the animatic and uh, animation editing as well. And actually, I, I would like to hear, too, if there's differences. I don't know if you experienced this, but like uh, the post-production type of editing where you're editing like or would you is that even editing final footage of animation um, to like be the final product? Like, I don't know if that's like a completely, completely different like um, it is, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so it is. Okay, yeah. But so, yeah, with live action editing and an animatic editing, uh, if we're keeping it to that, just thinking about the um, differences. And I don't know if this is like correct or not, um, but I I would imagine in live action, you're getting like footage and you're you're getting uh, just piles. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. Piles and piles of footage. miles and lengths of footage uh where uh you can air quote edit it uh into what uh a director or what you would imagine it to be like picking and choosing the 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 shot choices in order to to make the final product whereas in uh, animatic editing uh you're kind of just given what you are like this is it there there's no like other there's no separate angle that could be chosen for this this is the angle that is yeah that's right yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's funny because, you know, you do get a bunch of angles in live action, but I've, I think I've been on one show and it's and it was that show uh, Life and Times of Tim where they wanted to work like a live action show, I think, because oh. they oh, you, no. we would get, <laughs> we would get different angles and we were literally doing multi editing for each shot, even though the character never walked, never moved. I was like, wow. So I mean, but it was a learning experience for me. So it was great. But yeah, with the animation, you basically just get what's already boarded. And, you know, you get to a position as an editor where you can start to kind of chime in and be like, you know, it'd be really funny if this would happen right here. Can I get this panel? And, you you know, with the schedule of TV, obviously, you know, your director might forget something like an establishing shot and you ask for that, too. But, yeah, it's totally different because it's like when I said you sometimes you feel like a button pusher because you basically are getting stuff that's already drawn for you and you just got to make it work. And that's where it comes in, where the music is where you're most creative. And if I can, if I could just touch on the creative side of things about that is when I said that you you start with an animatic editor and you do all the processes, then you ship it off to the animation studios to do the drawings, you know, they animate it and they send it back. And that goes to a new person called the color editor. And this color editor, I, I mean, in fact, if you go into like IMDb, if you're the animatic editor, you are the creative guy because, you know, obviously you can time things, you can change things, you can move scenes around. And um, but if you get credit for that, that show, it goes under like an editorial department. But if you're mm. the color editor that only kind of I mean, I, I've done the coloring as well in shows. So but a lot of editors fight for that because that's when you get the editing credit. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't that's know. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I did so notice that. It's like a board artist. Your, your credit's even in the front of the show. But if you ever look, it's it's an animation or animatic editor for TV that did the timing and creative sound effects and music and sped up things and split screens. But the color guy, he basically is um, finalizing the show. Like when I said visual effects editor, tracks it and sends it off to the you know, so you basically doing retakes with a director or a supervi- or a supervising director when they give notes to the animation. 
So there's no, you're already locked. There's not a lot of, you know, creative changes. And I hope I don't, you know, any uh, editors out there want to jump me after this, but you know, <laughs> say the animatic editor is the creative editor, but everybody wants to be the color guy for that credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm my, my previous show, uh, our editor, Josh, really super cool dude. Josh, I don't know if you're listening. I miss you. Hope you're doing okay. Um, oh, Josh. <laughs> he, Yay, Josh. <laughs> he went from being our animatic editor, because we had two, but he went from being our animatic editor to our picture editor, which I yeah, guess yeah. is the same thing the as same the color. Thing, yeah. yeah, that's what I should have called it. Yeah. So because yeah, because when we, we would get like the our like our full animation v1 passes from uh, the studio that makes mira and he would just you know pop everything in and then like we get v2s and then he would like you know pop them over and then like when it was ready to go he would like package it and give it to our post house to our online editor who would prepare it in avid and do all this stuff to prepare it to be shipped to mastering when you say the online editor, that's he's the color guy, though, right? Like I was just saying. So, right? Because that's what I'm understanding. That's that's the only experience I've ever had is you have your animatic guy, and then he sends it over to the the color guy, which handles the final mix, handles the you know all that's you know like even the Harding box. You guys ah. know about the Harding box, right? You know, I yeah. Mean, what's a Harding box? Oh, Are you okay. yeah, this is, it's crazy. <laughs> like uh, certain flickering shots on a show could cause children to have seizures. So you go, th- it goes through this box called the Harding box so that um, it will tell you, hey, this could potentially cause a seizure, you know, so you have to take some of this flickering out or what? this fast motion in the background of the animation. Uh, so anyway. Wait, that- okay. So it's a Harding- <laughs> no, I need to ask this question. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you should go back to the beans and milk. <laughs> this is good this is good i'm just like i i've always kind of like wondered about that because i'm like i i I didn't think about that pokemon episode yeah i think about that i mean that's just a classic like seizure causing like that's (laughs) just what everybody thinks about is that pokemon episode and um i don't know i i constantly like see like different things in animation or whatever where it's like flashing lights i'm like how what is the like smp like what is the rule about this how do you even know like this is okay um and also as you describe it i don't know if i'm imagining it correctly but is it a literal box are you just like (laughs) do you get up so you put the computer through like what is is this a program (laughs) yeah to tell you the truth um you know at dreamworks the editors do it and at disney the the technical directors do it so we send them you know something called an aaf and they they online the files and then run it through this program. So I'm a, I always thought mm. it was this magical box too. I'm like, what is I mean, this? Uh, this mystical like, entity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to, you know, in, in pass a gatekeeper and run the software. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a, an application, but they call it the Harding box, maybe because of, maybe maybe it's a law or something i don't know <laughs> well our, our online editor um uh geez uh michael he he would say like oh that's not legal we need to change that color like that's not oh legal. yeah well like, that's that kind of stuff that's different that's too legal. that's like live action yeah because reds and whites go has a broadcast safe um threshold so like you ever you know if you take your iphone or something you shoot at the sun it's going to be blown out 
That's now mm. that's no longer legal. And red shirts and stuff. When live action, they have to color correct. That's why we have color correction on online editor. They, the online editor and color correction is like a glorified, you really great person that takes things and make everything legal. You know, the editor didn't have to worry about that. So everything's blown out in, in their cut, probably. But you know, so the t- so that will when you see the t- when you watch the TV show, nothing looks everything looks professional and beautiful. So that's what he meant by legal, like reds mm. and whites, the highlights on people's faces. You know, like if you if they're in the sun, like their cheek could be like r- there's a real bright highlight on their cheek, but everything else isn't ex- exposed correctly. That's oh it looks a little. It's you know cameras can only go so far and so can the television uh i'm knew we're getting way too nerdy here but no this is <laughs> good the this is, production yes. is so interesting I, yeah, it's, a lot, it's a very technical editing is a very technical field so yeah i feel like i'm learning like just learning getting so much info because i'm like oh you know what i thought i knew uh what editing was and now that there's harding boxes and there's things have to be legal and there's wizards <laughs> that i can't get past it just seems like it's interesting because like there uh for that like final position like the 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 what is it the like the online editor or the, the yeah what's that online the, okay so the, you said online editor well, I'm I confused. keep saying online editor because that's like what I'm used to I'm <laughs> confused. Thing. I've just never heard it in an animation maybe um, like a because like we give because like on on Mira we would uh, uh have the picture editor who I guess is the equivalent of a color editor but not a hundred percent like put everything together from the studio and then he they he would package it and then give it to the online editor at the post house uh, oh, there's a place I called see. yeah there's a place called keep me posted oh so yeah it was keep like, me posted yeah really 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 cool people over there yeah. those good guys and yeah either they're a social media company <laughs> or they're a post protection company so yeah then that online editor what he would do is what our tds and i guess disney's distribution people would do is they would actually do the m and e's and put the other languages in package it up and you know all yeah. these things like that yeah oh, yeah so they make dpx files so that it can overseas some people don't want certain video quality and they have to change it from 23 24 frames per second because we animate in 24 but tv wants it at 2398 which is so close and you know but you know so that kind of stuff you know so that's what the online editor would do oh okay interesting and, I, hope, but, I hope people so listening more. are taking notes so much yeah. more yeah man Wait, have you have you done any of these other editing jobs, like the color picture online? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, in live action, if you cut picture and story, you're called the picture editor. So uh-huh. you are you are the picture editor because you're basically editing the picture to you know to tell the story. The mm-hmm. online editor in live action is most of the time the get because again, when we shoot, when let's say when you shoot a TV show in live action. And I know this is about an animation, so I'll be, I'll keep this brief. But in live action, you'll shoot with these high res films, but you don't want to, you know, like one frame could be like 250 gigs, and I'm just throwing out a crazy number, but it is sometimes that crazy. Like Lord of the Rings, they shot with two cameras to do that 3D effect, and it was 400 gigs like every couple minutes, you know. Oh, so geez. You, they do something called offline, which means you you edit at a lower resolution, or some sometimes called a proxy which we do that at Disney, which is a great thing. We edit it like something called DNX HD 36 or now LB, which is low res. And then when we, we take those, when we get it in color, we take those files and they up res it to 2K or 4K. And that's the final so that your computer and your hard drive's not bogged down on editing those high res files, you know? 
Right. It's kind of yeah. like have a giant Photoshop file and you got a bunch of layers drawn on it. It's starting to slow down. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like, um, I think whenever I work in like uh, After Effects or something, it usually exactly. is like a lower resolution. And then when you export it, you're just like, whoa, I did not know it would be this crispy. Like, oh my God. So that's the online offline workflow. You guys got it. (laughs) Okay, cool. People better be taking notes. Yeah, please, please be taking these notes, guys. What are you doing? (laughs) Most people, when they're in animation, they never think about the editing. In fact, editing is a new thing in animation. You know, you had timers back then. You know what Mm. I mean? They were doing stuff on sheets and paper. So you know, it's. Not everybody thinks, oh, I can edit an animation. That's what they do. And I even have family members to this day like, what do you do again? Oh, no. <laughs> like, grandma, grandma, I'm editing commercials, like cartoons. I mean, that's what I'm doing. What, what, what does that mean? Do, do, do you get the thing of like, because you're at Disney, it's like, oh, did you did you work on Frozen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you, did you, you know, direct Frozen? That's did the only this show called Big Hero 6. And they're like, oh, I saw that movie. And I'm like, no, mom, no, no, mom, it's not not the movie. It's a TV <laughs> show. I'm going to go watch the movie just to make sure I can see your name. You're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> told you it's a TV show. <laughs> but you know what? That brings up something that I'm curious about. So, like, because, like, currently, you know, Proud's like more comedy driven and then Big Hero was like more action oh, yeah. action comedy. So yeah. is there in animation, like is there like like a different like how do you prepare yourself for working on like a more comedic thing to a more action oriented thing to even like a more preschool type oh. commercial thing? Like is there like do you have to be in a certain mindset for it? Are there certain skills? Totally, like totally. And that let me can I explain a little bit about that? Cause it's a total different ball game on an action show and like a like a sitcom comedy show in animation. And I learned because I was like the action guy at Disney and I was like, man, I don't I wanna I don't wanna be titled that. I wanna that's why I went to um Proud Family, because I was going directly, I was told without a choice, you're going to Moon Girl, action show. Marvel's Moon Girl, that's where you're going. And uh I luckily got to be able to do Proud Family because I was like, I need to change because all I've been doing is action. And when when you're doing action, it's it's hard because in a sitcom-y kind of thing, and that's what I say with Proud Family, I always call it a sitcom-y because it's like talking heads, you know? Mm-hmm. So your board artists, they are loosely kind of giving you some timing, you know, because they, they can't, they don't know what drawing, if they just blindly draw something. And, you know, the characters talking, they obviously are going to be off. So they are pretty much drawing to the dialogue. So you get a loose, a loose timing from the board artist in a, ta- in a talking head show. But action, it's like the script would say, Hito talks here. And then he jumps off this building and flies. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, all those panels, mm-hmm. it's like you're getting like two, 300 panels just to have him jump off that building and fly. So you're timing those panels. Cause it's like, you know, you put those drawing it. Well, you know, let me say this too. When I was on big girl six, there were certain board artists that I knew I could put everything on twos because he would fully animate it. And then there's some, you got to kind of like, Oh, he's, He's uh, making, you know, every four frames, every four panels is a pose. So you got to kind of loosely time that glide when he jumps off the building. But some people just give you that whole animated thing where he jumps off the building. He's flipping and his clothes flapping in the wind. And, you know, oh my God, (laughs) it it is different because with a talking head show, you could probably get a whole episode would maybe be like, you know, like a thousand panels, to 2000 panels. But uh, an action show like Big Hero 6 
as much action as that show had, you know, one sequence is like 1500 to 2000 panels, a sequence, you know, oh so not the whole, so that means the whole episode is close to like five to 10,000 panels. Sometimes if it's an action heavy episode, you know, that's a lot of panels. <laughs> you guys explain panels because no one's going to, well, what is a panel? You know, a frame, you know, maybe, maybe everyone knows. I don't know, but well, that's, it, yeah. it's good. It, as, uh, Cause like, you know, a lot of our audience is um, people who are trying to break in. So yeah. people might, like just genuinely people might just not know yeah like uh the difference between like a frame and a panel is like in animation uh when you're when you're watching animated television usually uh the standard uh, i'm using air quotes with no my fingers else, you can't the, see the storyboard but... artist is like let me explain the panel <laughs> 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 I, I did get very excited to explain. you're like i'm the boy artist here i will explain this as he um, his milk and beans <laughs> don't, don't make fun about milk and beans <laughs> isn't that just what coffee is okay i'm getting that is so accurate oh my god okay okay uh so the standard for animation is 24 frames per, per second. So the frame is the is each drawing, basic, basically each drawing that the animation is. Um, and the panel is, uh, is less a frame of animation, but more of um, a... Man, how do I even explain this? I went into this and I'm like, dang, they're kind of... It's almost like a square is... Uh, a rectangle is a square, but a square isn't a rectangle type of deal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically, in storyboarding, uh, a panel is one pose of a decided like scene or shot. But one panel can go for however number of frames based off of the acting of that scene. So uh, a panel of someone like saying hello just like waving their hand or matter of fact just standing there a panel of someone standing there could be one panel but that can go on for 24 frames like that could be held for 24 frames or held for two frames yeah and can i touch can i jump in and just say yes you please. know one thing about getting an action show is like let's go with the example of someone waving if you you are the, you I'd say you're more creative in an action show because if someone's waving just you could put your hand up right now and just go left right left right they would give you left and right mm -hmm. and that's it so you as the editor would loop that as long as you want so I'm going to duplicate panel one which is the hand is to the left and then I'm going to sit on for three frames or two frames the panel the hand to the right mm -hmm. and then copy paste copy paste you know so you can have that wave go on and on or you know so that is uh that's what i mean maybe that sounds silly that you're creative because you can make you can dictate how long the wave is but no you gotta, i think it's, it's, like it's you, have more, you have more freedom to do it's yeah. like more flexibility you're, you're controlling temp the temporal exactly. like the temporal creativity <laughs> rather than like the the uh i guess what the actual pose is you're creating you're creating what how much time is given to each pose which is very important because it creates like the the realism of those poses yeah and depends on what board artist you get as well like you know ben juana was a guy we worked on big hero six and he would give you stuff like that left and right pose you're gonna get about five panels for that so it's like <laughs> that left hand to the left 
hand a couple inches away from that hand a couple more inches away from that, you know, all the way. So that way, because the fingers would wave in the wind as it wave, as it waved <laughs> or something. He's a beast. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Shouts to Ben. He's incredible. Ben. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it, it's interesting too, because like when you're storyboarding and this is something that uh, I'd have to like, you know, tell early board artists who are trying to get into television. And, and I think this works for film too is uh is that when you're storyboarding you're basically storyboarding for the editor you because there, a lot of people will just like put one pose or like put one drawing to show an action like if someone's waving like you're saying like a lot of like storyboard early storyboard artists will just like draw one panel where you have both like the left side of the wave and then the right side of the wave and then draw a little like lines to show that it's waving. I was like, no, 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 friend. You have to pose out. You have to draw that left side and that right side separately on two different panels. Like you have to draw out the, these poses because you're drawing not for the, the, uh, the person like tapping through um, you're drawing for the editor. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And you know, yeah. as an editor, you get, you get to see everything. Like when I said someone comes in your room and sits on that couch, they start talking and expressing their life. But you also learn a little bit about the board artist because you'll get some of those scenes where the board artist will fluidly animate the scenes and then, and the backgrounds on there and the drawings are there. And they even like, sometimes they even label certain characters like this is Hito and this is honey lemon, you know, and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you get somewhere. It's just like, the circles, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, when you do the, I guess when I open up a draw, how to draw book, you get the circle and then the line through the eye and the, cr- <laughs> you know, the cross on the face, mm-hmm. you get some of those sometimes too. And <laughs> mm-hmm. So it depends yep. on the board artist. No offense to any board artist out there. I'm just saying the editor, <laughs> the editor knows, you know, who's who. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's a relationship right the editor and the and the board team but also yeah. the editor and the director and like charles i was wondering if you could like kind of speak on speak, speak to that a little bit like you know as an editor in animation like you um because like it, it's a team it, it's, a, it's a it's a team like you know as a coordinator i have a responsibility to be the right hand of the director and also to be the support of the storyboard team and be the support of the editor and as the editor like you know your job is to sort of also like work in tandem and be also be the right hand of the director and like help fulfill like the vision that they're doing and like how does that relationship sort of work between editor and director and animation yeah i think you kind of summed it up it's like a good friendship you know but again you know anybody that wants to be an editor the first thing they say is you got to control your room because everybody's going to ransack you they don't think about like okay, I can keep giving you these panels and these scenes. We have an exec meeting at two o'clock. They're not going to think, oh, it takes 20 minutes to export this episode. Oh, it takes this much to put in some sound effects before that two o'clock screening. So they're just like, I'm going to just keep giving you panels. You, you as an editor have to build that relationship and that trust where you're like, look, man, I'm going to have to have a drop dead cutoff, maybe like 115. So I have time to put in, you know, everything that you're giving me and uh, be able to export it before the exec screening. Because at the end of the day, the execs got to see it. It doesn't matter <laughs> if, you know, right. you have whatever sound effects in there or whatever, you know, you have to, you have to hit that deadline. So, um, 
you can st- even though they say the director is you know he does have final say but at the end of the day you have to kind of be that how do you say, I guess liaison to Blake. You know, I've talked people off the ledge like, hey man, you know, you got a meeting in a couple minutes. Let's wrap this meeting up, this session. You can come back afterwards because they lose track, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's about a relationship, but then you are kind of like, you are the silent hero again to kind of facilitate what they're trying to portray, you know? But at the end of the day, if you screw up, it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's just this re- a great, I've never had a bad relationship yet with a director where you, you know, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, you know, when you first start a show, you have to feel out your director. Like there are, you know, the director I'm with now, she's super bubbly, but she also, you know, was like, look, this is my first big project. You kind of helped me out. So we had that relationship. We're like, hey, you know, it'd be cool if you throw in this idea. But the director I had before this on Big Hero 6, he was a little seasoned, but also very safe and a little nervous sometimes. So it's like, hey, you know, it'd be funny if we added this. He's like, nah, 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 nah. We're not doing that. <laughs> Let's just stick to the script, Charles. Stay in the lane, big dog, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, it dep- you just have to kind of figure out who the person you're working with. Because at the end of the day, you you do, even though it's a team, you, you're you there to facilitate for your director, you know? Mm-hmm. I hope that I hope that answers your question. No, yeah, that was that was a perfect summation to it. That was that was great. Um, we're getting close to being at time, but like I wanted to ask like one more thing before like way if you have any more thing uh, things to say. But um, I wanted to kind of ask uh, to sort of again go back a little bit just to because Charles, you're dropping so many gems. Ah. And I didn't even get to tell my funny story of how I got got into software, you know, editing and all that. But yeah, man, I was looking forward to your your piracy. Story. Yeah, it's yeah. So funny, man. Well, actually, I was going to go there and talk and ask you just like about getting that first, like, like kind of talking about. Um, Kind of like how someone who is interested in editing could start practicing. Yeah, yeah. and like and like editing specifically for anim- like to be being an animatic editor, like specifically just to sort of okay. like focus it a little bit and yeah. like because we because because Wei and I like personally know people that like that like make videos like video essays on YouTube or something or they like making anime music videos or whatever and it's like is that enough to put in a reel or something to be like look i can i can be an editor like what how do you present yourself as an up-and-coming editor to get that first assistant animatic editor gig or that first just full-on animatic gig like how do you present yourself and you know before we even before i answer that i want to say that personality is by far the very first thing everybody should you know be flexible be cool about like like I said, you're going to get a lot. You have a producer in the same room with you, and that producer only cares about, you know, the budget and being on time. And you got a director in there, and he's like, I don't care about budget. I just want my <laughs> show to look good. Then you got a showrunner that also doesn't care about anything but, a, you know, one things they care about. So you got to be that middle person to kind of be cool. You could have somebody, you know, screaming at you or yelling at you, and you still got to be cool to get that job done. So personality, I'd say, you know, make sure you are a very calm and level person. You got to really want this because you're going to get a lot of people coming in your room that are from, you know, 
eight to 80 dumb crippling crazy you know it's going to be some crazy stuff going on sometime with personalities but uh so when it comes to wanting to be an animatic editor um you also got to love animation because you know there's some people that <laughs> should not probably be editors because they don't like watching what they do but mm. um as an animatic editor, it's tough because how do you get your reel? So I would say if you if you are in school and you just know some people that are drawing, I would say um, the first step maybe to try to, you know, get the software first. And I hope we have time to tell my software story because it's hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, get some kind of software. You know, computers come free with it most of the time. You know, iMovie comes with a Mac and you can get like, you know, some kind of video editing for PC. I don't know what. But um just kind of play along with that. Cause what I did and didn't even know I was dabbling in animation was I was in my backyard and I just, I was, I'm, I'm a grown man and I bought like some toys and I just did stop motion just not knowing that that's considered animation as well. But that's how I learned, you know, my very first editing project is like, I just went in the backyard and make a little stop motion GI Joe cartoon, you know, with toys. So, <laughs> um, you know, so just find a way that you want to do to learn that software. Cause at the end of the day, if you can't get that, program to do what you needed to do in a timely manner and i think as an editor speed is key then you know that's your first step is learn that program really well and then find some friends or somebody that can get you to do it if you don't if you don't have any friends that are trying to go to screw to draw you know help edit their reels or you know do something like that to learn it and you know that way you can get your reel and start at a small studio because these small studios like the shadow machines and the duck soup studios they're looking for those young cats so, you know, look up their names and, you know, call people. I, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm going off on a tangent that might not be. No, no not a tangent at all. I mean, speaking of programs, like, have you ever had struggles with trying to find programs? <laughs> or what type of programs should, like, a, a person starting out use? Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. It just feels like you have some type of like, just story to tell there. <laughs> I do. And I'm, let me start with the, there's only three editing programs really that the industry use. And, you know, to, to segue into the funny story and out of that is certain places and studios even use certain programs like the Cartoon Networks. They use only Premiere and Shadow Machines is mostly Premiere. Disney's only Avid and DreamWorks is Premiere in the animatic, but in the color, they're, you know, Avid. So you got to do your research when you apply for the job to be able to know that program. Um, and so to segue into the story of how I got into certain programs, uh, when I was in Orange Coast College, you know, I took my first editing class and it was a final cut class. Cause I thought, well, only, only thing I knew was there was a such thing as premiere. So at that time. And, uh, so I, you know, you get on the phone, I'm like, oh man, I don't have enough money for final cuts to, you know, $1,200. What am I going to do? So I'm on the phone and there's this guy literally in a hoodie leaning against the wall and you know the lean against the wall when you got one leg up you know on the wall and you know you got the hoodie on he this is no joke i'm on the phone talking about gotta get some software he walks up to me when i get off the phone i'm like hey man i got what you need like seriously approached me like a drug dealer oh and i was like well this is great because i work at a movie theater and i'll give you passes if you give me this software had no idea about piracy at the time because you know Back then there was, you know, internet was just starting. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I mean, of course it was, it was there, but it wasn't like something that everybody, I was just doing. I didn't know, I wasn't on the internet at that time, you know? So, um, yeah, I had a, a razor flip phone, you know, <laughs> there was no <laughs> smartphones or nothing like that anyway. So, um, 
he was like, yeah, here you go. And gave me, he gave me like Final Cut and After Effects and, and all these programs. And I was like, I had no, I was, where does this guy get it? And I was coming back like a fiend, giving this good dude, you know, movie passes to go to the theater to get certain softwares and I was learning the software. Anyway, I think that's a funny story. Like I got drug dealed and <laughs> that software. is hilarious. This <laughs> <laughs> is like early bit tour. It is just like yeah. <laughs> the corner. You know? <laughs> hey, I got these programs in this in this brown paper bag for what you, need, what you need. I got you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. And then yeah. when you have the funds to to be able to use it, you can buy the thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no more. I'm not a pirate anymore. I'm not even a parent. Yar. Wink, wink. Yar, <laughs> we got you. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> but it is important to know, though, back to the, for any editor, you know, I would say learn multiple, one or two, because, you know, even DaVinci Resolve is coming up as a phenomenal editor. And, and when I say certain studios, you also like if you're not in L.A., L.A. is a dominant, avid user. But like, you know, if you're in like New New York, they're not as avid, heavy, you know, so you just got to kind of it's it's that kind of sucks, too. But if you are serious about being an editor, you kind of got to do your research on places that like that use just what you're never going to come out of college and be like, you know what, I want to be this great editor and I'm going to tell the studio which program I want to use. They've already invested money. So they're going to tell you what you're going to use. <laughs> that is such a really, that's a really good just thing to know because I feel like uh, people will tend to go like, Oh, this is just a thing that I can afford right now or it's free or whatever. So they use that forever. And then finally when they are looking for the gig, it's like, Oh, Oh yeah, there are other program there there are like industry standards out there. And yeah. it, and like two different studios are using different uh, like have different standards, you yep. know. So right. it's like, oh, I have to learn multiple things. Yeah, it's like with designers, like you know, Clip Studio Paint is the hot thing that is sort of replacing uh Photoshop like an Adobe drawing stuff period and i mean like i i love clip studio paint i use it uh, exclusively now i don't use photoshop at all anymore except for uh graphic design needs and um you know like that's just not what's used in the workplace people at work that are like character designers or whatever they're using photoshop you have to know the programs or like for storyboarding like if you're boarding in, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to throw out a really old one, Paint Tool Sci, like, you can't Ooh. do that. You need oh, to be wow. boarding in Storyboard Pro, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you, you have to, because that affects your whole team. Like, you're... I'm going to put on my production hat for a minute. So like, like <laughs> that affects the production pipeline severely. If you're not on the same page as everyone else on the, on the team that you're working with. And now, you know, like, because you're on like a different program or whatever, and that that's going to make it so that like, you know, we have to transfer this and like make it work for the program when it goes to this next step in the pipeline and it may not work a hundred percent. So it's like, you have to be on the same page. You have to know the programs and it's okay to not know them right away, especially cause you know, some of the stuff is expensive. Sometimes maybe you gotta be a pirate about it. I don't know. I got a guy, I got a guy, you know, I got a guy. But that <laughs> 
And I never got his name. I, oh man, I would have loved if you like have been keeping keeping in touch with this like <laughs> guy in the hoodie. You don't know his name still. You just he <laughs> was just the guy in the hoodie, man. Yeah. Like, you want that Final Cut X? I get you. Yeah. In, in your phone, his his name is this guy in a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like once you're able to like you know have the funds if possible, it, you have to you have to know the software. Like you just gotta. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. I think that's it. Show's over. Beans and milk. <laughs> that was the beans and milk podcast. <laughs> well, we are approaching the end, but uh, Wayman, do you have your famous question that you like to ask? My very, uh, my world famous question that I always ask at the end of podcasts. The Times even picked it up as a question, uh, a question of the year. For it's, a new, it's a New York Times best-selling question. <laughs> oh boy! That I love to ask, uh, ask our guests at the end of the podcast, uh, which is what type of stories. Do you want to see more of or see be told more in animation? Whew. You know, that's a t- what type of stories would I like to see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you what do you personally want to see more being told in animation? Well, I guess, you know, some of the stuff we're doing on Proud is something I've never thought would happen. I'm like, wow, this is like Obama all over again. We got another one. Whoa. Uh, so it's crazy. I, w- I guess that's, I can't really say what, what they're doing just yet, but you guys will, you guys will see. But mm-hmm. I think that pretty much filled everything. I mean, that's, we're doing some crazy stuff. That's Ooh. you. I don't think you can do an animation. I, I've never, I've never seen, I've had worked on any stories quite like this. So. I say oh, this man. Oh, well, the listeners, you're going to have to like wait <laughs> out and check out expectations. <laughs> yeah, oh, check no. out proudly and be like, hmm, oh, so this is what Charles wants to say. <laughs> or, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Do you have any like last words of wisdom for, you know, any like prospective black editors in this industry? Yeah, I want to say, um, I I wish that I would have never said that your self-worth is your um, high, best currency earlier because that would be the best thing to say. But you know, <laughs> just keep it keep it moving because, you know, I've never really experienced a lot of situations where I I've always gotten job offerings and job opportunities and never had those pitfalls because of race yet luckily but it's because of word of mouth you know what i mean like so make sure you network with people as much as possible you know white black purple whatever just it's based off of the people you know so really get to know and be kind to everybody because you never know you know one per my very first job was from somebody that i was nice to five years before that first job wow so you know you just never know yeah so i would say that you know you know, Heck fix yeah. your personality. <laughs> yes. And, and oh, you got ooh, it. <laughs> hello, Jinx. Ooh, ooh. sorry. <laughs> all beans. All, <laughs> all beans. I like my fam- my famous catchphrase for yeah. beans and milk podcast. All beans. <laughs> um, and speaking of beans, if our <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what you guys are sponsor. <laughs> sponsored by sponsored by Heinz Beads. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was say. Heinz Beads. If you ain't got beads, then you ain't got nothing. <laughs> is that the slogan? No. <laughs> it is now. I guess. That's why you got a sponsor. He just made the new slogan. <laughs> we got so much money in the bank now from Heinz. We're gonna invo- we're gonna invoice you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I just Why added myself to that. Why oh my gosh! Uh, Heinz promotional is gonna get a, a invoice from us. Black and animated uh, beans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how can our listeners? Uh, reach out to you if you wish to be found online or uh, find out more about you if you have like a website or maybe an IMDP page however however way you want to be found how, how do you want if listeners? people want to network with you and ask about it anymore yeah yeah I guess uh, well, see I don't really I'm not big on social media so I got a website but you're when free you're working, then you're free yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're free when you're working, you don't really update your website but my website is charlestjones.com and I'm you know I'm on IMDB but uh if you guys want to reach out to me reach out to Bree first she's my new <laughs> manager <laughs> I thought it was yeah, Andy first, guys uh, at Bree <laughs> well thank you so much charles the goat the g-o-a-t the man (laughs) the myth the legend goat milk one of our uh sponsors (laughs) for beans and milk that's hilarious yeah i I can't even explain where that whole goat thing come from but i guess i could say since there's very few black editors at disney i'd be the goat of black editors there then (laughs) we'll just go 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 thanks for listening to the podcast as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Black and Animated. And listen for more episodes on blackandanimated.podbean.com and on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are the respective individual and do not reflect the views of our employers. Thanks, guys. Until next time. This episode was edited by Tyler Schlossman with music by Ergo Funk. Ergo Funk.